I'm in my dorm room. It's late 1993. And my buddy Dave brings a VHS tape. And we'd watched wrestling a few times. I think we'd even watched... uh, Not SummerSlam. It had to have been one of the... Well, it couldn't have been one of the in-your-houses that hadn't started yet. But we'd watched some pay-per-view together, I think. Maybe it was Halloween Havoc. And... He was the guy who introduced me to The Observer, too. And we pop in this tape. And it's a steel cage match. But it's no normal steel cage match. In it, there's a Japanese guy I had never seen. And Terry Funk. Who, even by this point, I was a super huge fan of because of the I Quit match. Because of his 89 run in WCW. And they're having a very, very standard brawl in the cage. And then after a while, a siren goes off. And there's a timer. And the ref is literally dressed like he is about to watch the bomb go off over Bikini Atoll. And then the fucking ring explodes. But Onita had already won the match. And Funk is down. And the ring's about to explode. So Atsushi Onita becomes the hero and dives on top of him and the ring explodes. And the camera stays in a single position and you see the smoke wafting. And it's deadly silent. The way I remember it is that there was absolutely no sound going on. And suddenly that clears enough that you can see the ring and that Funk and Onita are in there. The exploding ring match had already been done with Onita versus Pogo. Which, if you've never seen it, watch it because it's good-ish. The match itself is awful. It's barely watchable. And in fact, Funk versus Onita, it's barely a good match. It is a classic Terry Funk situation, but it's not anything special. But as far as drama goes... This is something that is missed about professional wrestling. It is not about what necessarily happens. It is about the effect of what they do in the ring has on the audience, be it live or on tape. I've talked to two people who were actually at the Kawasaki show where this happened, May 5th, 1993. And one was sitting kind of close, the other one was further back. And the one who was up close was like, you could tell it was a explosion, but that it wasn't earth shattering. The one who was slightly further back was like, oh my God, I can't believe that the entire stadium didn't fall. But I think really what this match was designed for was the viewer at home and the way it was shot, the way it was edited, putting that static camera shot to have the smoke wafting across the field. The entire presentation is built to Onita becoming a superhero. He already had a little bit in the Pogo match where he covered up the referee. But here he covered up his hated rival. This match could not have been better presented. It could have been better worked, sure. But the presentation of this match, the way it was constructed, conceived, and then delivered particularly to videotape, 
untouchable. There is nothing, nothing that comes close. There were other exploding ring matches. I'll be talking about a couple of them on this. None of them are great matches, per se. But all of them have an element of drama to them that are unbelievable. Because this is the ultimate peak, in a way. The ring explodes. How can you beat that? How can there be anything more dangerous than a ring exploding? Now, FMW at this point was at a peak. It would really continue up until 95, I think, until Onita's retirement is really when it sort of fizzled, I think, began to fizzle at least. And I think that was 95. I think that was with the exploding ring match with Hayabusa. I could be wrong on that. But what ultimately happens comes out of matches like the Funk Onita in 93. Like what comes out of the rest of FMW. It is about how far you can push the limits. How far you can push suspension of disbelief. To bring up Incredibly Strange Wrestling, for example, we can believe that the ring exploded, that there were bombs under the ring, because of this presentation of danger, because of the sirens, because of the way the ref is dressed. Because of the length of time they sell after the ring explodes. Incredibly Strange Wrestling, none of us believed that they were HIV-infected needles. But at the same time, they're both equally as fake. One is a build of concept to it's a building of a concept to a plateau where there is still a sense of believability because of these things around it the other is completely over the top overshooting all of that presenting a product that is obviously not dangerous even though it is fairly dangerous but it is not life-threatening in the way that we sense it should be They're both lies. One is just better told. This was really the match that brought FMW to the U.S. attention more than any other. It was covered, I want to say it was covered on one of the shows like A Current Affair, I think. This was huge. I know it was all over the tape trading world. FMW was a hot product. And you had at this point, other groups have already started. You had Wing. Uh, I think IWA was was just starting or had already started. You had Big Japan. But really, FMW was really the gold standard at this point. And the next couple of matches I'm going to talk about that have FMW in them aren't Onita matches. In fact, they aren't men's matches. 
But the idea that a super violent product being presented at an over-the-top way with realistic enough elements to make it believable, that is ECW's legacy. And for better or for worse, it changed everything.